Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, welcome to another episode of Things Worth Considering. I'm Cord Riddell, and I'm here with uh, Dr. Jan Hill. Hello. And how are you, Jan? I'm great. Is it a good day? It's a good day. I had a power nap all weekend. <laughs> it was good. Okay. Um, uh, I'm jealous, but that's a, <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. You know, last week we were talking about our, our fun title, The Rise of the Onion People. So what we're referring to is a model of the human psyche, and it's a multi-layered experience in which each layer wraps around us um, as we go through life in order to protect our core core of who we are, our very delicate, uh, vulnerable at first, uh, and open to being hurt pretty easily. Um, Like all walls, though, it may protect, but it also traps us inside. Um, it's one thing then when we build a wall to keep people out, but we have to remember that we're keeping people in, and that's something we want to be able to see if we can move past that. Uh, so last week, we actually we finished up with looking at the addiction layer. Oh, yeah. And that was a really important layer because addictions are really, really out of control um, in our society. And, you know, I think that it speaks more to not addiction as a disease, although it is, uh, in all its manifestations. Um, but the fact is that it's a symptom of something much deeper. Right. Addiction as a function of, of defenses that have gone haywire. Absolutely. Right? Where the fortress that we build around ourselves is just so strong. And so we're in trying to break out of our own fortress, we end up in addictive behaviors. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, in view of that, um, you know, importantly, uh, Gabor Mate, he's the author of In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, brilliant book. And he makes this really crucial point that we need to stop asking, what's with the addiction? What's that about? We need to start to ask, what is with the pain? How much pain must this person be in? And I think that's a really important piece uh, that, that we want to be looking at is, is uh, recognizing that there's a lot of pain involved for someone who is operating at that level uh, of addiction. And it's, uh, it's quite sad, actually. Um, so just keeping that in mind, uh, we're going to move a little bit more forward. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Okay. I, you know, I just it makes me think of the concept of entrapment, right? And I, I find just with clients, generally speaking, if, uh, you know, these, one of these big generalizations is that one thing I think we all share is this sense of entrapment, right? And this yep. is the big trade-off in living in society with other people is we have to make choices all the time, conscious or unconscious, uh, about what it is we are prepared to, uh, who it is that we're prepared to be, what is it we're prepared to give up so that we can fit in, so that we can belong, right? And that's, and that's really is something we do all our, our entire our life. Our whole life, right? How do we fit into our family? What do we have to do? What do we have to stop from saying, yeah. stop from acting out, like our anger, for instance, like, you know, uh, you, you know, a child being angry is not acceptable behavior. Yeah. 
And so it's like these layers of the onion are just different progressive stages that we go through when we make a choice to give something up. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But each one that goes on top of the next one on top of the next one, exactly. it, it just almost like gets thicker. It's cumulative. It's cumulative, but it, it, it's much more difficult to move back through each one of those layers too. Yeah. The you breakthrough's know. harder, right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because there's all these others, you know, uh, uh, wonderful things of the psyche, for instance, denial. Mm-hmm. And denial is just such a solid piece that, uh, you know, we just cannot accept reality as long as denial is there. And denial is what stops so many people from getting help. Right. You know, right. Um, the other one is pride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always uh, there's a, a, a saying that, you know, the, the biggest block that sits outside of any rehabilitation, any therapy office or, or center or institution is a great big stone. And it's called pride. Right. That's why I think one of the most courageous things a person can do is actually make a decision to do something about something that's bothering them and uh, and go to therapy. Oh, Taking absolutely. that first step in there is actually admitting, oh, there's something going on that I can't deal with on my own. Absolutely. I think that women are much more likely to be able to step past that pride than men are. Mm-hmm. Men are uh, you know, much more socially uh, uh, isolated they are, by their, their uh, socialization, by their choice. Um, and they're much more likely to say, I can take care of this myself. Sure. No. Yeah. So – of course, as we know, yeah. the outcome of that is is that we have, um, you know, when it comes to, for instance, suicide, that men are are four times more likely to right. be successful at suiciding mm-hmm. than what women are. Mm-hmm. You know, women are asking for help. Men are going right through with the act, which is which is quite sad. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a place that men can change this piece. Right, and I think that that has a lot to do with uh, just sort of heteronormative concepts of gender, masculinity, femininity, absolutely. right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that has to shift. Yeah. That has to shift. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to have too many men left over the age of 12. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they're not going into pubescent quickly, we're not going to have much of a race left. Um, so uh, now, so let's look at the, the subconscious because that's um, that's sort of come up through understanding the the our levels of understanding of uh, we talked last time about the subconscious and the conscious and then the higher self or the superconscious depending on you know what school we go to but you know one of the things that's interesting though is is that our subconscious is our past it has our memories it has our computer system mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not a living thing it it's really functions very much like a computer. Uh, our higher self, though, and our superconscious, that's our future. That's what allows us to see forward. I see what you're saying, right? You see what I'm saying? Yep. And our conscious is right here. It's in, it's in the construct that we live in with a date and a time and a location. So consciousness is this sort of emerging self-organizing process that uses the past to formulate the future. Uh, very much so. Okay, very got much it. So. Very much so. Um, the the um, interesting thing, okay, so the subconscious, though, as with our higher self, does not live in a time-space continuum. Right, because we're, it's we're a in, process. Right. We're in the time-space continuum. Right. Right. That's like we have to be here at this time on this day to do a recording. Right. Um, whereas uh, our subconscious, it does not know the difference between what is true and what is not true. 
Mm-hmm. Which is really quite fascinating. Well, because everything's made up. <laughs> well, everything. Right, everything's imagined. Oh, that's another whole show. Right. Um, we're, this right. is this is real because I can knock on this table. Mm-hmm. See, and, but I <laughs> but I also think it's because like the the consciousness is both embodied, but it's also relational. So the it's the relational nature of it that actually makes it imaginary. Right, because yes. if you think about it, every like uh, for everything to be re- for anything to be relational, it has to be triangulated. There has to be three aspects of it, right? So okay. this is what makes relational things so interesting because it's constantly shifting. Because all you have to do is shift one of the three pieces of the triangle, and everything shifts. Right. 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 So this is why consciousness is relational because, of course, we have within consciousness. Well, a lot more than three reference points. We have the reference points from the past. We have the reference points from the future. And we have the now, right? But every one of those, the past, the present, and the future, all have their own, like, infinite number of reference points. So this is what makes it so incredibly interesting in its relational capacities. But at the same time, we think it's not relational because we perceive it as being embodied because we are embodied and we believe that is a function of the mind. And we often feel that the mind resides in our head, which is in our brain, which is in our body. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's why I'm bringing this up is because clearly if there is no time or space, you know, continuum, then that somehow or other has to be outside of what our embodiment is. Well, right. It goes back to this whole idea that we're actually all just sound waves, right? And well, so, yeah, oh. we're, we are. We're all just energy. Everything's sound, right? Yeah. And, and energy just, just plays off other energy. Like, we, we are, you know, you can see me here right now mm-hmm. because I'm reflecting light. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I'm nothing more than atoms. I'm nothing more than molecules. And it has a shape simply because it's reflecting light. But if you look at atoms and you look at molecules, they don't have, you know, they don't have a shape that looks like a human. They're packets of energy, photonic energy that's organized Absolutely. in particular ways, Absolutely. right? Yeah. 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 Now, and they're organized by sound. They're that's organized cool by sound and, yeah. they're, and they're reflective of light. And, um, but they also have sort of their own wall. And that mm-hmm. would be, if, if, now, if we were sitting in the complete darkness, you would say, well, I can push against you. You know, I can feel you is what you're feeling is the resistance that that, you know, grouping of protons and and electrons and neutrons and everything called atoms are trying to maintain their space. Okay. So so it has its own field. Right. It has its own field of energy. Uh, If if you try to, you know, move through that, it it won't allow you to do that. Right. Okay. So. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah I understand yeah. it. So when we stop thinking of ourselves as solid physicalities that were this, you know, lump of earth somehow, uh, that we are actually energetic, totally energetic beings. Mm-hmm. And everything that's happening with with us around us is energetically produced. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense? It totally makes sense. Okay. And it actually just means, right, is that when we think about the imagination and we think about the past and we think about the future, what it suggests, in fact, is that that is nothing is locked into time and space, right? Nothing is. The way that we imagine things have been is just a function of the story that we tell ourselves. Yeah, It's a function of the creation of the moment. It also means yeah. that going forward, what we imagine to be uh, part of our future or something that we want to move towards is similarly 
simply imagine. It's easier to imagine the future as imagined than it is to imagine the past as imagined. Okay. Right? Because the past, yeah, yeah. we have, we go, we're invested in it. We're like, no, that's my story. It really, yeah. really happened, right? And this is, this just reifies the defense mechanisms and all this other stuff that, uh, you know, that create our onion likeness. Totally. It also, um, you know, the subconscious, what it does is, uh, it's unable to sort of differentiate between, you know, you as a woman are not my mother, mm-hmm. but. My earliest experiences would be with my mother. So if you act in a certain way that in any way sort of is similar to her, mm-hmm. that early experience, it, it will see you as the mother. And it pulls out the mother file. Right. And, and it goes, okay, boom, page 75, act this way. Yeah. And we suddenly feel like we're five years old or we're eight years old uh, for exactly that reason. Yeah. You could be fifty-five and still, and still feel like you're you're, uh, you know, five years or eight years old. You know, there's there's that that whole saying. You know, when I drive up to my parents' home, uh, you know, I leave the city at a certain age, and then I, you know, as I'm driving up there and get closer and closer, I'm, uh, you know, going backwards. Suddenly, I'm twenty-one, mm-hmm. and I pull into their little community, and now I'm down to fifteen into the driveway walk in, sit on the couch, and I'm 12. Mm-hmm. You know, 12 is the magic number. Yeah, exactly. And I'm feeling like 12 sitting on the sofa with my mom and my dad. And you're like, wow, this is not how I felt when I woke up this morning. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's, that's an interesting piece because um, our inability to differentiate, you know, requires work on our part to be able to say, you know, this is not my mother. This is a totally different person and act differently. Yeah, but that's a function of, again, this self-organizing process of the mind, right? Where we take the past and we we pull meaning from the present by comparing it to the past. Well, and that's what, that's what yeah. our subconscious does. Exactly. You know, that's I'm job. not sure that this is, this is certainly not anything conscious. No. This is uh, at, the, at a very unconscious level when we sort of superimpose previous experiences on a current experience. Yeah, and it helps to explain the power of the unconscious mind in shaping oh. Oh, our, our now, right? In, yeah, yeah. in a way that's totally invisible to us. Right. Yeah, very visible to us. Yeah. It's the only the only way we're going to be able to sort of see that is in recalling the similarities. Is like, gee, this feels like, you know, when I was little, or how, like, how old are you feeling right now when we're going through that? And having that honesty to say, you know, well, I'm I'm feeling about fourteen right now. Mm-hmm. And who are you really arguing with? Mm-hmm. My mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and be able to get. That piece, that's when we get to change it. Mm-hmm. But I think it really requires that awareness and it requires that sort of brutal honesty, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to get past that whole subconscious piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's at the heart of the onion. Well, I think I think so. Like, I think what we're really talking about is that kind of the, kind of the deepest aspects of the onion. It's deep, all right. It's deep. It's very deep. Yeah, I tried diving in once and holy jumping, I had to come up for air. Exactly. <laughs> and I think this is why some therapeutic processes then, when we're moving through the onion of the person, right, they, they focus on doing inner child work. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But before we go to there, we need to say, well, what's binding all of this? What's the glue on this? It is. Is it 
shape. Give me an S. It's a, it's a give me an give S. Me an give H. me an H. <laughs> give me an A. All right, bring those women in. Mm. Uh, they can do our cheerleading. It is shame. Mm-hmm. It, it's it is a it's a in our personal it's it's in our society people shame us uh, publicly humiliate publicly privately and do whatever they can using shame to keep us in line right and that's what creates the onions different levels of shame and that's what holds the whole thing together and brings tears to your eyes yes. <laughs> now on that note uh, I think that we need to probably jump forward. And go to commercials. Okay. All right. And we're going to be talking about shame when we come back because it is one of the most vulnerable experiences that we can ever have and how we can take care of ourselves. We will be right back after these uh, commercials. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental dynamic educational environment we believe learning is much more than just theories it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, Back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to uh, Things Worth Considering. We're talking today about part two of our The Rise of the Onion People. Mama! <laughs> um, so, where did we leave off? We left off talking about something we don't want to talk about. Shame. Shame. Shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame. Fools. shame. Yeah. Oh, that's chain, right. Um the idea of shame uh, is the uh, the part that really serves to keep us uh, very hidden, 
shame is, is really just a huge blanket. And, you know, when we look at all those layers, shame virtually should have a complete one of its own. <laughs> you know, it really should. Uh, because, you know, it, as I said just before the break, it, it's, it's right across. I mean, society uses it. Uh, you know, and, and exclusively almost, uh, hardly guilt people, but it sure does shame them. Yeah, I feel like we all, we always end up talking about shame. We always end up coming back to shame because I can't sh- help it. Well, because I know because <laughs> shame lies at the heart of so many of our of our own experience, right? And, Absolutely. And how and how the experience of shame, um, like it's a it's a fundamental regulatory mechanism in society, right? Yes, that and fear. Yeah, this is how we teach children. To fit in. Yep. This is, and so we we do it consciously within society to belong, right? We uh, curtail our behaviors and our wants and desires, and at the same time we internalize it, and it becomes a mechanism of self control. And this is what's so amazing about the way that we live today, which is different than how we would have lived four hundred years ago, right? Where shame wasn't this this internalized mechanism. It was like do this or you get your hand slapped. So it's like punishment right. reward kind of system. Foucault writes a lot about this, right? So over the last 400 years, we've developed this system of self-governance, which is around the process of shame. So I don't need to slap your hand, Gord, because you are your own hand slapper. Oh, yeah. Right? And the hand slapper inside you is called shame. So mm-hmm. you reach, reach out for that extra cookie, and instead of getting your hand slapped, you know, you just decide not to do it. You regulate yourself. And this is the power of shame in a culture that is predicated, like governance is predicated on shame. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, it's also predicated on fear, like mm-hmm. from, from the authorities that, you know, you do your tax return out of the fear that you're going to get audited mm-hmm. and you make sure you do it correctly or that you don't have anything you're not supposed to have in your baggage when you're traveling right uh you know god forbid tsa pull you over um Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things it's uh so between the fear and the shame and if the fear is exposed and you did do something and they pulled something out of your bag at the airport the shame would be unbelievable so it's the fear of being shamed sure yeah sure they go together yeah yeah, so this I think this explains how shame has a bigger social purpose, right? Which actually keeps membership in a group or multiple groups that we belong to. It keeps that intact, right? And we avoid doing something because we don't want to be shamed or we don't want to feel like we are a shameful person, a good person, a bad person, a shameful person, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so shame so we, does not tell us we're a good person. No, so we regulate ourselves in accordance with the expectations of other people that are then attached to internalized identities, which are part of the onion, right? right? right. The archetypes, right. the the sub-personalities, the, you know, I always use the example of if you're driving up late in cottage country at two o'clock in the morning where there's no one on those back roads into the cottages and there's a stop sign and it's two o'clock in the morning and you're ripping along, are you going to stop at the stop sign or not? Well, most people do. Absolutely. Because they don't want to be a bad driver. Right. Right? Just in case. To be caught and then, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, why didn't you stop, right? Yep. Oh, gee, here's your ticket. I'm I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of being a shamed driver. Right. <laughs> Being now, I'm a bad driver. Yes. So we govern ourselves in accordance with the expectations and the rules, right? To to maintain our group 
membership. And it's amazing how that works so mm-hmm. well. It so, really does. Yeah. So this fragmentation that we experience as we as we become the onion, which is which is inextricably linked to this shaming process, this fragmentation is actually natural. It feels natural. Because it starts in childhood, even infancy, and it oh. carries through our whole life. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, and it uh, you know, it, it comes back to such a place that, you know, you didn't, you, you, you don't just feel shame because you, you didn't stop at the stop sign. It, it, you know, it would be, it becomes totally, because it's so, so internalized, it becomes completely about me as a human being. Yeah. That I'm a, I'm a bad human being. I'm a bad driver. Not even a bad driver. I'm a bad human being. Mm-hmm. Because it's so cumulative. You have like this this giant well of shame mm-hmm. and it just, you know, uh, uh, can be pervasive all over us. You know, and it's interesting too, right? Because the other mechanism society that we use all the time to, to sort of explain away things so that we don't feel ashamed, uh, we use rationality or intention, right? So I didn't intend to go through the stop sign. Right. Like, okay, so suddenly, oh, well, then you've got nothing to be ashamed of. There was no intention. Or if you have a good rational reason, like a moose was chasing me. So, you know, you you know, when there's a moose chasing you, you don't slow down, right? Because it'll ram your car. So you kind of just speed up to try and get ahead of them as much as possible. Oh, especially those moose. They're, well, they're crazy, those things, oh, they right? Are, they are. So, and that will stand up in court, too. Well, exactly. So if you have, like, a good reason, then it's like, oh, okay, well, then we won't shame you. Right. 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 Like, we'll just have you do some community service, cleaning up after the moose. Could be. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> shovel that. But <laughs> yeah, shovel that. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting how society has all these mechanisms in place, right, to compensate. So yeah, you can, you will be shamed, but under these circumstances, we'll hold back the shame. Absolutely. Right? And rationality is usually the thing that wins out in our rational seeking world, right? If you have a good reason, it's okay. And that's exactly when people are wind up in, you know, in legal situations. It's always like, what's the rationale behind this? Why did did you do this? Yeah. And most people go, I don't know. Yeah. Seems like a good idea at the time. Um, That doesn't usually fly. But if you get a really good lawyer, they will help you with coming up with those good ideas. There we go. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I'm just saying it is a thing. So we have then this this uh, amazing glue, and we call it shame. Very different from guilt. Guilt just simply tells us we have done something wrong, and we can make amends for that, whereas shame tells us we are wrong, of which there's nothing we can do for that. Hmm. You know what? That's true. And I feel like that's really accurate. I feel like there's another component as well. And I, I'm just thinking of this now, so it might not come out very clearly. But it's um, I feel like guilt is when we choose ourselves over somebody else. You know, we go to the movies instead of, I don't know, taking our, uh, I don't know, our brother to lunch or something like that, right? Okay. That's and you interesting. feel guilty. Yeah. And shame. Yeah, well, usually if we've hurt somebody, it usually is... Because we've done that about ourselves. Yeah. But shame is what happens when they find out. Yes. Right? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. So <laughs> we, we can hurt someone, then that's for me. But then when they turn around and tell us how much they're hurt, then we feel shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not going to do that anymore then. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I give you your keys back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Um, okay, so this is this fragmentation 
that we, we keep talking about, we don't really even know that there's like this fragmentation going on. Right. That we're not complete and we're, we're not completely whole. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, I think the fragmentation is, is that um, when, we, when we drop into our subconscious, which is much more than we ever realize because of, you know, the brain keeps wanting to take us to what we do habitually. Right. That's where its comfort level is. It makes us feel comfortable. If it doesn't feel comfortable, then we get all uncomfortable. So, you know, the moment we start to, to uh, analyze, the moment we move anything out of this absolute moment, we go into this fragmented state of some sort. Well, I think the self, yeah, I think there's a couple things. I think the self is then naturally fragmented, period. And there's no way around that, right? This idea of the whole self uh, that comes out of Christianity, the whole self that actually reflects godliness, et cetera, et cetera, is not even, that doesn't reflect the modern psyche. Mm. But I think you're right also in that the fragmentation that we have is actually related to to sort of time, the process of time. Uh, very right? much so, yeah. And so different parts of ourselves are kind of allocated to different time periods. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you step out of, like right now, if you or I stepped out of this absolute moment, one, we would lose track of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's really important to stay very focused here. Um, but at the same time, if we stepped out, then there has someone has to take over driving that bus. Right, which is another aspect of self. There's that an, what you're another, saying? another. Well, it's another aspect of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's also one of those layers because we can talk about this in a minute. Is that whole concept of the child, the inner child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is that when the adult gives up, you know, wanting to be an adult, there's only one other person that's going to take over. Right. And that's going to be the inner child. Right. So the layers of the onion are locked into. It sounds like different time periods and different events that might have occurred uh, very much over so. the cross. Yeah, very much cross so. Because that's what keeps building it, you mm-hmm. know, is, is that as we're, we're aging in different time periods, we add to, you know, the various layers, especially the outer layers. Right, right, right. Know? So that would explain then therapeutically um, why going back to the source of the, the source of the earlier onion layers, yes, right, would involve sort of uh, um, speaking with and connecting to the inner child. Oh, uh, totally. the original shaming totally. processes. Yeah, experiences. Yeah, absolutely, and letting letting that you know very vulnerable part of us that can react the same way as it did when it was five is when you're fifty five right. is to bring it into into you know some sort of protection of sort of the grown up part of us. Right, because because that child had an unmet need and the need has never been met, That's so right. it it travels that need travels with us. Yes. Throughout our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of what we experience is the fact that in, in a lot of our inner conflict is about our, our unmet needs. Yeah. I think, too, the fragmentation is, is not necessarily a bad thing because it does it, – it's a protective mechanism. It only becomes a bad thing when we can't move beyond it or when it becomes our go-to. Right. Absolutely. And or we, it we, takes on personalities of its own. Right. Or because or grows into an addiction or something. It just yeah. gets too big. Right. Yeah. So. Or when yeah. your subpersonalities have names. 
<laughs> they spend all your money. And you begin speaking <laughs> on in, inappropriate in shoes. In the third person. <laughs> yeah. So then Gord went to the store today, and we know we have a problem. Uh-huh. That's for the fragmentation to the extreme. So, un, you know, these needs that are unresolved from childhood, mm-hmm. half the time when we fight with people, really that's what we're fighting about. You know, but it's we don't name it that way because we just don't have that awareness. You know, right. An example would be if you know someone is playing music and it, and waking me up at two o'clock in the morning in an apartment building, and I just feel like you know they're just you know so selfish and they just want to party and and they're doing this to to irritate me. Um, but really, the the unmet need there is is that you're not being noticed, you're not being considered. Right, right. And that's that's really the child's uh, experience. Right. Of of you know not being taken into into consideration, um, you know, uh, and I think that's probably with in terms of communication, mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. You know, is did you even think of taking me into any sort of consideration? I think that's one of the things too when you're trying to move through your own onion, right, layer by layer, is to ask yourself when you feel uncomfortable, is to ask yourself what's really going on here. Oh, well, the music is bugging me. It's too loud. It's too loud. Okay, what's really going on here? Well, gee, I feel like my sleep is interrupted and I have stuff I have to do tomorrow. And so I really need to sleep. Okay. So what's really going on there? Oh, I feel like nobody's taking my needs into account or I feel invisible. I feel like I don't matter. Oh, okay. What's really going on there? Right. So you kind of can move through the the layers of the onion by asking yourself the next question. What is that piece about? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Until until you can bring it back home, Mm -hmm. you know, this has, this is, you know, this is what our, our inner child uh, feels like. You know, um, this is this is not a new concept. The idea of the inner child. Uh, you know, Jung Jung uh, established that one of the archety- Jung's archetypes is is the of the eternal child. Um, it eventually morphed into the archetype of the wounded child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know. So you know, how do we get wounded as a kid? Basically, by being ignored, neglected. Um, that's, and it's, you know, the, we have the emotional and psychological and physical and sexual, which are just insidious. Um, what makes emotional kind of hard to deal with sometimes is that it's, it's not a singular event. It's not a couple of events that you can look at. Right. It's this consistent daily or weekly, whatever it might be. Poking away. It's like doing like a sculpture, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just tap, 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 you know, and pieces uh, begin to fall away. Um, so it's um, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's also an important part of, of uh, you know, working with uh, all of these different layers that we have. Um, and I think that probably what we need to do is <gasps> hold our breath and we're going to slide on through these commercials. This is uh, Things Worth Considering. And uh, we're here on Voice America uh, talk radio. Join us on the other side, and I'm Gord Riddell here with uh, Jen Hill. As I spit over that one, did you forget my oh, name? I, I, it was just an aging, <laughs> an aging problem. It's, um, okay. it's all this inner child stuff. I just say it's not so a trigger. Upset. It's not a trigger. I, you're for a me. huge trigger. Um, <laughs> Jen Hill and Gord Riddell. We will be back on the other side of this commercials. Right back.
find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca That's info at spiritgrows.ca Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Um, this is Things Worth Considering, and we're talking about, right now, we're talking about the inner child. Uh, we've been talking about our multi-layered existence. So um, when we, we have those wounded child, um, that's going to affect us as adults. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, things like people-pleasing, mm-hmm. uh, perfectionism, uh, distrust. That's yep. a boy, oh boy. The biggest number of people that don't trust anything or anybody is yep. huge. Yep. It's huge. Uh, conflict avoidance. Yep. Like, it's easier to just get the hell out of the way than to, to face up to to uh, the avoidance. Yep. But I think part of that, too, is almost an entitlement that is, I'm not wrong. So why, why would I get into uh, anything where I might, you know, sort of be exposed to be being wrong. Right. So these are all ways, all these behaviors are ways of trying to keep safe because we have the unmet need, which is uh, to feel safe. <laughs> well, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, a fear of engulfment, mm-hmm. which is, of course, the same thing, but it looks the opposite of fear of abandonment. Right. It's of intimacy. Great book. Uh, our inability to bond or attach to people. We, we get involved. Uh, we want to be involved and we let it go so far. And then, boop, we pop out. 
and right. uh, people seem to get too close to us. Body shaming, I think, you know, so much of shame comes down to this one place, mm-hmm. is is uh, our, our body shame and sexual shame. Mm-hmm. Because how we look, how we smell, how we, we uh, uh, our size, our, our height, our weight, all of those things are shamed, you know. Mm-hmm. When we take a child and we, you know, uh, say, oh, well, look at you, you know, look at you with no shirt on or, or we become self-conscious mm-hmm. if we are, uh, you know, compared to in any way, shape or form anybody as we're growing up. We take on this body shame, mm-hmm. and that's devastating. And that's like, well, now that you know about you know your bodily functions, the noise your bodily functions might make, the smell, your uh, everything. Now you go out and have a really good sexual time today. Yeah, good luck to you. Yeah, good luck at you. I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. find somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like it's overwhelming. You know, uh, if you think of all of the messages that are sitting there to say nothing of the stuff about sex itself. Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to have a really good time. Yeah. Only as long as you have the right number of chemicals sprayed on and, and you know, perfumes, colognes. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that's because so much of the body, like we are so removed from our from our own corporeality, right? So, oh, uh, totally. But yeah. any corporeality we, we had growing up as a child was probably shamed. Yeah, for sure, which would be why we're removed. But I think just as a culture, we're just really removed, right? And we're so used to seeing visual representations of bodies, like the selfie and everything. We're we're so used to the visual representations, but there's no reality behind the visual representation, right? Oh, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, you see photos and photos and photos and movies and movies and movies, but there's only, there's they have a limited sensorial capacity, right? Yeah, what it does is it just uh, has more people than not Taking a look and going, well, I don't look like that. Well, right. So it's comparative. I'm not good enough. But the thing is, we don't actually, when we see representations of bodies, we don't actually experience the body as it actually is in its wholeness. No. You only, you only connect with one aspect of it, which is the visual representation, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a, a big problem. And it's doctored. Of course, right? It's doctored. Uh, the uh, the sort of the rumor on the street is, you know, um, uh, current singer Megan Trainer, when they released her first album, uh, she was outraged the fact that they had done all of this body sculpting on her with with uh, Photoshop and said no right. and insisted she as she is and right. she's she's a great looking woman um, and I I'm just like wow good for her yeah. So you, uh, yeah, so you're talking about the presentation of the representation, but that's right? what that's what we're. So what I'm with. talking about is the interaction and the relational nature of how we relate to. If the you don't relate to your own body, I'm not going to relate to you. Right, but what I'm actually saying is that <laughs> this is how we learn to relate. We learn to relate through two dimensional representations, yes. not through the actual corporeal experience. Right. So Unless you're standing there naked psychodynamic and being pointed way, out. Right? Unless you have a parent that's pointing out when you're naked as to what you do or don't look like. That's pretty corporeal to me. Right. From a shaming perspective. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right? Because, I mean, that's that becomes so internalized that there's something now wrong with you. Right. But I think there's more aspects to the... I think I think the fallback. This pisses me off a lot, actually, in our culture. The fallback is always to go to, oh, you know, these are the representations, and you make me feel like this because I don't match the photo. And it's a lot more. 
it's a, a, oh, this is a thing for me. I have a big fight in my sociology of the body classes around this, right? Because the go-to is to just look at the representation as if it's an in-your-face visualization that we don't, when we compare ourselves to, we don't match. But it's not. It's more than that. It teaches us, visual representations teach us how we actually relate to other people as yes. visual. We don't see them as full corporeal beings in all their fullness with all the rest of the sensorial experiences that go with sitting right. beside somebody or hanging out with somebody who is actually in a full body, right? And so what happens is we have a delimited perspective of what it actually means to be in a body. So not only do we not relate to ourselves, but you know, we don't relate to the actual corporeal experience to be embodied is to fart and burp and smell and sweat and what? get stuff in your eye and poop and all these other <laughs> things that we do, right? Thank and you for this, sharing. This is there you go. And this, but this is the thing, right? Yes, that, we, that is so easy to forget because we're so used to just looking at bodies instead yes. of actually connecting with bodies and and experiencing the body as something rich and full. Right. And right. so uh, even our relationships that take on almost a two-dimension yes, two exactly. element to it. That's exactly this. the point, right? Yeah. So relationships are two-dimensionals. Exactly, right? Yeah. So whew, that was my soapbox wow. for the day. Woo, Jump woo. off. Girl. I got lots of sleep. You want some tea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about it's a little exhausting. caffeine, Jan? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Overcompensation. Um, <laughs> other things that can happen too, poor, poor boundaries. And we've talked yeah. about boundaries. Uh, boy, we need them so badly. So, you know, how do we communicate them with our inner child? I mean, uh, we need to be able to do that. Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I think when we talk about communicating with our inner child, we're really also talking about communicating, like accessing the unconscious mind. Yes. Kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. So I think there's lots of ways to do that. Why don't you tell me? Okay, I shall tell you a couple <laughs> ways that I think. So I think that... Um, to access the the inner child and to experience the uh, unconscious mind, then it's we really have to understand that the the unconscious mind lives within the body and is connected deeply to the body, right? And so it involves sensing. We have to sense into what we don't actually know yet. Yep. Because it hasn't become conscious. And that I can agree. make us feel super, super uncomfortable, right? So if you're thinking about sensing into something that you don't actually know yet with respect to the inner child, it's it's about asking ourselves to go back to that place where maybe the original shaming happened or, you know, subsequent shamings, whatever, and to 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 be in that moment in the body, how the body felt, as right. it was interpreting the world around us and what was happening and to us. that's kind of a scary place. It's totally scary, right? But that's kind of like step one. So how do we do that? How do we get ourselves back into the body uh, in that way so deeply? Well, I think that, you know, the reassurance uh, that most people need is that there's nothing in there that you haven't already lived through. Oh, that's a great point, yeah. Um People think that something something horrible is going to come out, and there there's nothing in there that you haven't lived through because right. it's just a, it's a data bank. Right. All right. So you know there might be some some learning from it in terms of how we go deeper with it and we you know uh, uh, move with it, but there's, it's not none of these are new stories. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, you know, there was there was a a problem a while back with with uh, uh, you know false memory syndrome that was you know being done through hypnosis by an unscrupulous therapist that caused horrible damage to a lot of families. Um, you know, that's that's in the wrong place. That's not a normal experience. That is not the average experience, even of hypnotherapy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hypnotherapy okay. or therapy or mm-hmm. even if you're trying this on your own. Right. Um, I think it's, it's I think you know shame shame has to be presented to somebody. Shame heals not by ourselves. Right. We have to in some way bring shame which dwells in the dark into the light. It's the whole thing of going into the light. Shame has to come into the light, even if it's one person, whether it's a therapist, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your partner, that will allow you to, without interruption and without judgment, tell your story. Right. So I think, and I think that before the story can be formed, especially if it's something that happened when you were very, very young, right, there's just a sense of what shame feels like. So this is where we get into this idea of sensing into what you don't know mm-hmm. yet, right, that hasn't shown itself, the story that hasn't shown itself yet. So um, it's like we we need to recover a direct sense or acknowledge a direct sense of the source, but it's something that we can't yet perhaps conceptualize. Right. We just know it's there. It's that feeling there's a lack of clarity, right? Like there's that slightly, feeling yeah. that there's something there. Yes. Right? Yeah, that felt sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, what we can do with that felt sense, though, is to move it by, you know, one of the easier ways, uh, not necessarily easier ways, a different way, um, because a felt sense is so difficult to zone in on, mm-hmm. to get a handle around, is letter writing. Yeah, it's a great technique. I think it's a fantastic technique. Mm-hmm. Of, don't um, mail it. And don't mail it, really. Right. Uh, but it's actually sitting down and writing a letter to your inner child. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting way of doing this is with your non-dominant hand. Mm-hmm. Allow that to be your inner child. Your dominant hand, allow that to be your your adult. And as you dialogue on paper... You keep putting the pen back and forth. So your dominant adult is saying, uh, you know, what is it that you need? And then you hand it to your non-dominant hand and have it write out, you know, I need to be noticed. I need to be recognized. I need love. I need, you know, whatever it might be. But um, having the two hands really works both sides of the brain. Yeah. And it just accesses it quite nicely, actually. Mm -hmm. Powerful, powerful exercise to do that. Yeah, you can also, uh, uh, it's a great exercise to do that. You can also uh, just look at pictures of yourself, right? And try to imagine, uh, for people who find it really, really hard to to remember things in their childhood, right? Right. To imagine that that child is the neighborhood kid, the kid who lives next door, or your niece or your nephew or something like that. And then speak to the child in the picture and see what the child has to say. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my whole room is my pictures of me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's a shrine to myself. You can also, like, recreate what you love to do as a child. Yes. Right? To experience the experience of tobogganing down that hill, like, so fast or skating or, you know, that feeling when you're little and you think you're going so fast down the hill. Putting on music, dancing around. 
we got to stop being these, you know, stuffy grown-ups. Right, right. Oh, we can't do that. What would people think? Right. Who cares? They're not even thinking about you anyways. Yeah. Studies, studies show that <laughs> most of the time, no one's thinking about you. Yet we're so worried about what would they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. you know, we're not that important in people's lives. Uh, of course, I know that you're thinking about us consistently and about our show. But other than that, you know, uh, really, I think that we're not that special in this world. Yeah. You know, we're important, but not special. Um, so, yeah, dancing around, singing uh, the way the kids sing, uh, all of those kinds of things, you know, giving yourself permission to draw, to paint without, oh, I don't know how to do art. I don't know how to do. Those are all the things that are just stopped dead in your tracks and uh, you're not going to get anywhere. Draw, uh, you know, like, what is that saying? Like, draws as no one's ever going to look, dance like no one's watching. Right. You know. So these are all ways to, to access the felt sense of your inner child. Absolutely. Right? Um, and so once you've accessed access that felt sense of your inner child, then that's when you might notice that clarity starts emerging. So, yeah. so our rational mind wants to look for clarity right from the very beginning, our conscious mind. And you won't find that in this process. The clarity comes through the doing of these, of these enactments, these recoveries, right, yeah. of the childhood experience. And so each step that you take will bring you closer to the feeling of being your self, the self that is deeper in the onion, Right. Yeah. They provide steps in terms of the direction of growth. And what you can notice is how you feel when you're doing the things that you're doing. And the goal here then is to actually rethink aspects of your life so yeah. that you can it would continue totally, it'll to do totally those open up your creativity. Yeah. Absolutely. And the magical part. Yeah. Of who we are. You'll notice too that things happen that things will make sense retroactively. They will. Right. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of retroactively, we have to move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, we're coming up to the end of a, another episode of Things Worth Considering. Uh, you can contact uh, Jan and I at uh, info at spiritgrows.ca. And we're here at the Transformational Arts College. So if you want to get in touch, be in touch. And otherwise, we hope you enjoyed the show. And we will be back again next week. Bye now. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. <laughs>